The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. Let me invite you to take your scriptures this morning and go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And this morning we'll be looking together at verses 3 through 7. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's begin reading at verse number 3. The Bible says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. Let's pray together, shall we? Father God, we love you today. We thank you for the privilege that we have once again of opening the Word of God and finding out what it has to say. Lord, please help me to clearly and accurately and interestingly present truth in this hour. Lord, I pray that you'll be with those who've come to listen, and I pray, Lord, we'll find help in your Word today as we look at the text. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. It was the first semester of my freshman year, and my roommate Dan was very homesick. He had not been away from home very much before, and now he was in his first semester about a month into it, and he was incredibly homesick. And he wanted something, just anything from home that would provide him some level of consolation. And here's what he decided. He wrote his mother and said, Mom... I would love my comforter off of my bed. Could you just put my comforter into a box, ship it to me so I can have some warmth from home to help me with some of this homesickness? His mother agreed to that, and she sent the comforter to him, put it in a box. And I can still remember the day that he and I walked into the post office, and he received the note in his post office box that his comforter had arrived. He walked right over to the table right there in the middle of the post office. He slipped the box open and pulled that blanket out and held it up. And as loud as he could possibly sing right there in the middle of the post office, he started singing, Oh, spread the tidings round wherever man is found, wherever human heart and human woes abound. Let every Christian tongue proclaim the joyful sound, the comforter has come. It's amazing what we take comfort in, isn't it? We can even take comfort in blankets, security blankets. We can take comfort in areas. We even refer to southern comfort. And of course, my personal favorite, we can take comfort in food. That's why we call it comfort food. 
I often said that deacons may not have always been in my corner, but donuts were always on my shelf. Paul here recognizes that there is a greater source of comfort than all of these. We serve the God of all comfort. As a matter of fact, Paul blesses God for it. And when he uses this word blessed, he uses the Greek word from which we get our term eulogy. Now, most of the time when we think of a eulogy, we think of somebody giving high praise at a funeral for somebody who's deceased. But in this particular passage, Paul is not praising someone who is dead. He is praising the living God. And moreover, often in funerals, when a eulogy is given, it kind of overstates the issue. As a matter of fact, when I pastored one day, I was eulogizing a woman who had died, and one of my deacons came up to me, and he said, Preacher, he said, I had to go and look at that coffin a second time just to make sure I was at the right place. That lady was not nearly as good as you painted her out to be. But you understand that when we're talking about God, we can't ever overstate the issue. How could you over-extol the virtues of God? If you could give God high praise, if you could eulogize God for one thing, for what would you eulogize him? It's interesting to me that in this passage, Paul eulogizes God for being the God of all comfort. He praises God that our God is a comforting God. Let's explore this from several points, shall we? First of all, let's think about the source of comfort. The source of comfort. It's interesting, in Jewish synagogues, they would say, God is blessed, the God of our fathers. And when they would bless God, they would always talk about him being the God of their fathers. But here, when Paul gives this eulogy of God, this blessing of God, he doesn't talk about our human fathers. He talks about God as the heavenly father himself. God himself is seen as the father of, he says, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice that the human Jesus is designated as both Lord and Christ in this passage. He is Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's the one that fulfilled all of those Old Testament prophecies. He was the longing fulfillment of Israel. He was the Messiah. But in addition to that, he was Lord. That references his deity. Paul, in his first epistle to the Corinthian church, had already extolled this when he said to us that there is but one God and one Lord, Jesus Christ. There are gods out there many and lords out there many, but to us there is no other Lord other than the Lord Jesus Christ. We are Christians. We have put our wagons to the hitch of Jesus. We have based our whole eternity upon him. He is our focus. And it is by recognizing this lordship of Christ that we bring glory to God. You remember Paul in Philippians said that there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. Notice this, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Nothing brings glory to God more than us extolling the virtues of Jesus Christ. Now to help us understand this relationship of God being the Father of Jesus Christ, he goes a step further in this passage and says that God, in addition to being the Father of Jesus Christ, is the Father of mercies. Now think about this. 
In Pauline theology, Jesus was equivalent to mercy. God is a merciful God, but there is a way that he bursts this uh, mercy to us. There's this way that he mediates, that he bestows this mercy upon us. And the way that he bestows his mercy upon us is through Jesus Christ. Jesus is mercy. And the reason that God is blessed is for this fact. God in marvelous condescension through his son, Jesus Christ, has mediated mercy to us. And by mediating mercy to us, he has become, he says, the God of all comfort. Nothing proves that God is the God of all comfort more than the fact that he sent Jesus to us, the Jesus who mediates that mercy. Now here's the point. Too often you and I look for comfort in lesser things than God. All too often we look for comfort in relationships. They fizzle. We look for relationships in grades. They plummet. We look for comfort in finance. Money talks. It says goodbye. We look for money in health. That can be quite a variable. But there is this immutable God who is always to us, the Bible says, the source of comfort. He is the God of all comfort. He's the source of it. But think with me not only about the source of comfort, think with me secondly today about the subjects of comfort. Because he goes further here in verse 4 and he says that he is the God, now notice this, who comforts us. Now the word comfort is the same word parakletos. This is the word that's used of Jesus and of the Holy Spirit. Remember Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he will send you another comforter. So Jesus says, I'm a comforter and there's another comforter, another the same kind of comforter who's coming, the Holy Spirit. So both Jesus and the Holy Spirit are described as comforters and now we see that this is true and when it comes to God who has sent these things to help us the word parakletos literally one called alongside to help in other words it's personal assistance I belong to AAA and there's one reason I belong to AAA roadside assistance I am so mechanically challenged, automotively challenged. I know what a car key is, and I can stick it in the ignition and turn it, and if it goes, I drive it, but if it doesn't turn over, I better call somebody who knows what they're doing. And more than once, I've had a flat tire or something like that, and I've called AAA, and they have provided roadside assistance. While I was sitting there stranded on the side of the road, they came alongside and helped. Now, please understand, this is what he's saying is true of God. God, in the difficulties of life, comes alongside of us, and God helps us. He comforts us. And lest there be any doubt about how practical this is, Paul even supplies the, the object here. He comforts us. Now, think about this. So many times people talk about you know, comforting humanity. And we ought to be of assistance and benevolence to humanity. We're talking about humanity as a whole. And in talking about humanity as a whole, we can be so concerned about helping everybody that practically we help nobody. But God's concern for humanity is not vague and it is not nebulous. It makes contact. God comforts us. 
It's concrete. It's practical. It comes alongside and helps. It reaches us. God is your personal assistant. God comes aside alongside of you, whoever you are. John, Mary, Bill, Susie. God comes alongside you. And God helps you. Not just humanity, but you. Take it personally. Wonderful grace of Jesus. Reaching the most defiled. And by its transforming power, making him God's dear child. Purchasing peace and heaven for all eternity. And the wonderful grace of Jesus reaches me. Isn't that good to know? God makes contact. I mean, what good would it be to have AAA if they just went up and down the road but never pulled alongside to help? God comes alongside to help. You are the subject of his mercy, his comfort. So we've seen the source of comfort. We have seen the subjects of comfort. Let's notice thirdly the scope of comfort the scope of it. He says here that God comforts us, now notice this, in all our tribulation. Now that word tribulation is a significant word. The Greek term here occurs three times in this text. It occurs in verse 3, it occurs in verse 6, it occurs again in verse 8. The term philipsis, the underlying word here, refers to pressure. This word was used of when you squash grapes to get juice out of it, you would apply pressure to that grape. That was philipsis. Or there was actually a way of separating wheat from chaff with millstones coming against each other, and that pressure was called philipsis. There was actually a form of execution where they'd set a boulder on top of a man, and that boulder would slowly grind him to death. That pressure that provided the execution was called philipsis. Here's the point, ladies and gentlemen. Do you ever find pressure in life? Now get this. The Bible says that God comforts us in all our tribulation. You have never had any pressure in life that God was not up to that pressure. You have never had a pressure that was outside the skill set of the comfort of God. He also uses another word here, suffering, pathema. I don't know if this is true, but it sounds like our word pathetic. Here's a mess, that's pathetic. Sometimes we go through pathetic situations and we feel like we need someone. I'm telling you, there never has been a pressure. There never has been a pathetic situation that God has not been up to the challenge. He comforts us, the Bible says, in all our tribulation. So many times I've questioned certain circumstances and things I did not understand So many times in weakness, Satan blurred my vision. That's when my frustration got so out of hand. But it's then I am reminded I've never been forsaken. I've never had to stand one test alone. And when I look out on the victories, that's when the Holy Spirit rises up in me. And and it's through the fire that my weakness is made strong. He never promised that the road would not, the cross would not get heavy, that the hill would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victories without fighting, but said help would always come in time. So just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in, just hold on. Our Lord will show up and he will bring you through the fire again. 
One of the biggest reasons that people do not like to embrace the knowledge of the existence of God, why they suppress that knowledge, is because they argue that if God is all-powerful, he could stop adversity. And if he was all-kind, he would want to stop adversity. So if God is all-kind and all-powerful, there shouldn't be any problems in the world. How do we explain evil if there's an all-powerful and an all-kind God? Now, I can't give all the answers to that, ladies and gentlemen, but I want to submit to you one thing that we can say. One of the reasons I know this, I would never be able to know the comfort of God the way I know it had there not been pressure, had there not been pathetic situations. You understand that when I go through evil, when I go through adversity, this helps me understand attributes of God that otherwise I would not have been privy to. I get to know God in a way that I could not have known him otherwise. This is why the Apostle Paul refers to the fellowship of his sufferings. How would we know the wonderful comfort of God if there never was a need to be comforted? In order to know that he is the God of all comfort, then you and I have to go through adversity to show the scope of his comfort. One final thing this morning. We have seen the subject of comfort. That's God, the, the source of comfort, that's God. The subjects of comfort, that's us. The scope of comfort, all our tribulation. Now notice finally the significance of comfort. God does not leave us in the dark as to the significance of this comfort. The term that introduces a purpose clause. Here's the purpose for the comfort. The comfort is that we might be able, and the word able there, dunamis, dynamo, dynamite, ability, power, the power to act. We can take the very comfort that we have received and now we have the power, the ability to comfort other people with the comfort wherewith we have been comforted of God. We can pass the comfort along. In short, God never wanted you to be a reservoir of comfort where he just dumps his comfort on you and you say, okay, thank you for that comfort. God wants you to be not a reservoir of comfort, but a conduit of comfort, whereby the comfort that God lavishes upon you, that flows through you and reaches out to somebody else. Verse 5 teaches us why this is true. It is true because, notice the word, and then notice that term translated abound. It's a word that was used of commercial surplus. Uh, in accounting, if you have a surplus, this would be the word that would have been used on the balance sheet. You got a surplus. You got more. This is the word that was used of the 12 baskets that were left over at the feeding of the 5,000. After everybody had eaten, there was surplus. There was something that was left over. In James, the same word, I love this King James translation, superfluity of naughtiness. It's overflowing with naughtiness. It's gushing out with naughtiness. It's surplus naughtiness. <laughs> in the same way here, he says that we, because of our life in Jesus, we have a surplus of suffering. But this surplus of suffering is met with a surplus of comfort, a surplus of consolation. There's inordinate suffering but not only is there inordinate suffering, simultaneously there is inordinate comfort. 
And it is this inordinate comfort that we are asked to pass along. Because God is more than compensated for the deficiency. God is more than compensated with the suffering, with an abundance, a superfluity, an abounding of consolation. He asks that we pass that consolation along to others and deliver them. Now, what's he mean there, salvation? The word salvation just can refer to any type of deliverance. And I think here he's talking about people may be sinking. They think they're not going to make it. They think this is it. I can't get past this. I can't move on. I'm drowning in this. In the midst of all of this, we can take the comfort that we have received from God and we can pass it along to them and thereby keep them from drowning in the mire of whatever they're facing. And this helps us to endure suffering. They can endure, notice the terminology, they can endure the same way we've endured. This, I love this word, endure. Hupomeno, two Greek words, hupo, under, meno, to abide or remain. To remain under. This was used of donkeys. You know, they didn't have cars back in Bible times. They, so you go down to the used donkey lot to buy a donkey. And when you go down to the used donkey lot, they ask, hey, does this, does this dude get good hupomeno? When I put the packages on this donkey, is he going to collapse or is he going to be able to bear up under? Is he going to be able to remain steady under the pressure? Can he abide under the weight? Is he a true beast of burden? Let me ask you a question. When the weight comes, how do you and I keep from collapsing? How do you and I keep from being crushed? Well, he answers the question, it's because of the comfort of God that we're able to endure. And this endurance that we have received, we pass that same comfort along to other people so that they can bear up under the same way that we have borne up under. When we suffer, we receive consolation, and this consolation is given to other people to help them from sinking. So get this. As Dr. Wiersbe used to tell us in seminary, trials are not merely to be escaped or endured. It goes further than that. They are to be enlisted. In other words, you've gone through whatever road you've gone through in order that God can use that to be a comfort to somebody else. And when this mindset is adopted, that you see trial as an opportunity, as a teaching moment for you that you can share with somebody else, when you understand that mentality, it helps others and it helps you. It assures you that you're going to make it. I love verse 7. Our hope of you is steadfast. When you participate fully in the suffering of Christ and embrace this as part and parcel of the Christian life, then you're at a point where you can receive the consolation that is so abundant that it can be passed along to other people. And when you function this way, then you recognize that my trial has a purpose. And because my trial has a purpose, I recognize it's not, it's not a sinkable thing. It's, I'm going to make it. This aids hope. Now some of you, I don't know what you're facing. We're a month in, five weeks in. And I know that 
first tests have probably just been administered and projects are starting to loom large and work schedules and church schedules and ministry schedules and academic schedules and social schedules and many of you have not let multitask at this level for quite a while you feel like you're sinking may I say to you this morning that my hope for you is steadfast today and the reason my hope for you is steadfast is because I know what the consolation of God can do I know what the comfort of God can do You see, when we tend to drop out, we tend to only think of ourselves, but when we understand that even in the most adverse circumstances, there's purpose to be able to minister to somebody else, it'll help. Let me close with this illustration. My oldest daughter, Ashley, was born with several birth defects. She needed 15 surgical procedures in the first year of her life. I really struggled with that. She couldn't walk, she couldn't crawl, her hip was dislocated. She was involved in a surgical accident while that was trying to be prepared, repaired. She also had cleft lip, cleft palate. There were just multiple things that were wrong, and I walked through all of that. But God gave me peace through all of that, that surpassed understanding. It didn't make sense. I didn't know why I was keeping my head. I should have been losing it. I mean, 15 surgical procedures, first year of the kid's life. Not long after she had come through all of that, she was in early elementary school, another pastor friend of mine through ultrasound discovered that he and his wife were going to have a child that were going to have the same difficulties that our daughter had come. And they scheduled a luncheon to just sit with me. And the first thing I did at the luncheon was I just took a picture of my daughter, Ashley, now that she had been surgically repaired. And I set that picture down on the table before I ever said a word. And the mother-to-be's face just lit up like a Christmas tree. And she looked at me and she said, she's absolutely beautiful. And I said, I think so. I'm biased, but I think so. And in that moment, God allowed me to share with them some comfort that I had received years earlier. I don't know how God's going to use what you're going through right now, but he will and can use what you're going through right now to be of tremendous help and benefit to someone down the road. Allow your overflowing adversity to be matched by God's overflowing comfort so that there's spillage to gush out on somebody else. As the famous hymn concludes, it says, Lo, the great King of Kings with healing in his wings to every captive soul a full deliverance brings. And through the vacant cells, the song of triumph rings. Indeed, the comforter has come. And it's more than just a blanket in a box. It's a real deal practical assistance that can warm you like nothing else can. Let's go out of chapel today blessing, high praising God for being the God of all comfort. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online 
at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.